Welcome to Passion Life Church. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of God, Passion Life Church, and all of you that are watching online, we miss you. I'll tell you what, there's a party going on right here, and we want you to be, isn't there a party going on? Come on, let's, let's give them a great round of applause. Come on, let's, we want to invite you to be a part. We're here on Sundays at 10 o'clock, right here at Vista Marietta High School, and there's a whole bunch of great looking people, and they even smell good. I smelled some of them as they came in, and uh, they, they smell good, I'm telling you. Great, amazing people. And if you're here for the first time, welcome. So glad that you're here. And uh, thank you, worship team. Didn't they do a phenomenal job? Come on, let's give them a good round of applause. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I I heard angels singing with us today when we were singing. I I just heard the sound of heaven. And when you sing, you join with that sound. And we love to worship God here at Passion Life church. And so, so glad that you're joining us. We are going to continue this series that we've been in called Built to Last. And uh, I want you to turn to your Bibles today to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. And what we're doing in this series is we've been focusing on a characteristic, an attribute of God that we don't really talk about. You don't really hear people talk about God being a builder. And that's what he is. It's an attribute of God. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And last week we talked about that's what Jesus is building. So we want to build what Jesus is building. Also, Paul said that we are God's building. So God is building us. How many of you have sensed God working in your life and building your life? Let me see your hands. He's been doing that. Then we've talked about being a wise builder because there's a wise and foolish builder. And it's interesting because there's only two choices, a wise builder and then there is a a, a foolish builder. And there's only two choices. But I think I wanted to just focus on, on how God is a builder because I think It's part of God's nature. And so because it's part of our Heavenly Father's nature, you being a child of God, how many children of God do we have here in the house today? If you're a child of God, then his attributes are in you. Then that means that you are a builder. I want you to say that with me. Say, I am a builder. I'm a builder. You know, uh, the inspiration for this series, we were actually in another series that, that, that said, I can do hard things, which a lot of you really enjoyed. And and we were in that series, and the inspiration for this series came from a pastor friend of mine that I really admire, and he was talking about how through the pandemic and COVID that uh, he has 16 campuses already, and they've been a church for about 20 years and all over Alabama, but they had to close two of their campuses where they had done a lot of outreach, and because they were meeting at a school like this, I mean, they had families coming, the school got upset because of something that happened within that, and so they just said, you can't meet here anymore, and so they had to actually shut down two of their campuses. Family's not going to church there anymore. And so this pastor was just talking and I I saw this interview and they asked him, so what are you going to do now? You had to close down two of your churches. And this is what he said. He says, you know what? I'm a pastor and I'm a builder. And this is what we do. We build and we rebuild and we're going to keep moving forward. And you know what? We are going to build. And that really inspired me because I thought of myself in, for that moment. And I thought, man, I never really thought of myself as a builder, which most people don't. They don't really understand that they're building even their own life. They're building their family. Come on, somebody. You're building a marriage. And God is a builder. And I love that because he said, we're going to keep going and we're going to keep moving forward because my church family, this is what 
what builders do. Builders can't just sit there and sulk and feel sorry for themselves. They have to get up and start building again and start moving forward. And I say that to you because many of us are in different situations that we thought we would never be in. And you go, Pastor Phil, there's a lot of things that have happened that are outside of my control. I understand. Listen, Passion Life Church was booming. Passion Life Church was hitting momentum before COVID. And then when everything shut down, the school shut down and we went online. And I thought maybe we were going to be online for maybe a month at the most, but it turned into 14 months. And my church family, I'll tell you this, over 40% of our church that was here, Passion Life Church attending, moved out of California and just moved away. And so we, we said, what are we going to do? And you know what I thought? I thought we're going to continue to move forward. We're going to continue to build because God has families that he still wants us to reach. And so we're going to be builders and you're going to be a part of a church that's building the kingdom of God, you know, and, and it just, it just hit me with the realization, Phil, you're a builder. And I just want to encourage you. This is what this series is about because many of you are building your life and my church family, the life you have is the life you built. Listen, the health that you have is the health that you build. The relationships that you have. You know, relationships don't just happen by osmosis. You know, relationships you have is the relationships that you build and the families that you build. And you may say, you know, Pastor Phil, maybe right now I've gone through a divorce or I'm going through a divorce and it wasn't my decision. I understand. Listen, but you're going to have to keep building the family that's with you. You're going to have to keep building your life. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? And so that's what we're talking about. Our God is a builder. And here's the cool thing. Listen, he wants to build through you. He wants to build his kingdom through you. And uh, today I've entitled this message, the blessing of building. Have you found second Samuel chapter seven, verse one? If you haven't just give up, it's been already like five minutes, but uh, you can see it on this big Bible that I have behind me. Second Samuel chapter seven, verse one, it says, when King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan, the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in your heart and in your mind. The Lord is with you. But the same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? And for the sake of time, we're going to jump down to verse eight, because in verse six and seven, God is basically saying, hey, look, I didn't ask for a house, David, but this is in your heart. Verse eight, look, now go and say to my servant, David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. Can I just stop here for just a moment? When I read that, it always touches my heart. He says he's the Lord's of heaven's armies. And he's not just, it's not just the armies of heaven because they're the Lord's. They're actually, those armies are available for you. Can I hear a good amen? And you have the Lord of the heaven's armies behind you. I just think that is so good. He says, I took you again. Nathan is talking to David and God is telling Nathan what to say to David. He says, I took you from leading the sheep in the pasture and selected you to be a leader over my people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I have destroyed all of your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as 
they've done in the past. Verse 11, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people of Israel, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Listen to this. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you. I want to say that again. He will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and you are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring. I, God is saying this, I will make his kingdom strong. And he is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name. And I will secure his royal throne forever. Amen. Now, I want to understand something that David has this in his heart to build a house for God. But if we look theologically correct, David is not the one that actually builds the house for, for God. Solomon, his son, does. And let me say it this way. Solomon actually constructs it. But David provides the vision, and you can read later on, that uh, David will provide resources and silver and gold to build God a house. Now, let's talk about the blessing of building. You know, I, I, this to me in these scriptures that I read have just been so impactful in my life because there's a truth here that I believe is going to so bless you today. And if you'll grab hold of it, I think that it's going to just be life changing. You know, I built my life on these truths that I'm about to, to share with you. And I'm just so excited because, you know, there's sometimes that we say things in faith, you know, we, we say God's promises and we should, we need to speak God's promises. But today, this isn't just something that I'm just declaring over you. This is something that we've experienced in our lives. And so it just gets me extra excited and extra confident because I've seen this in my life. I love David. David is a fascinating man because he's like the manly man. I mean, he's like, he's like the, you know, the testosterone filled guy. And, but yet God calls him a man after his own heart. So he's not just this brawny, tough guy. He actually has a heart for God and he was a warrior. Come on. Somebody say warrior. He was no wimpy. He was, and this is what I love about the Bible because, you know, if you're a guy here, you know, I grew up a lot of times, it was the women that were always in church and the guys were just kind of like, you know, they would come or they're, 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 you know, they would make their husbands come because, you know, it, it kind of seemed like church and this was just kind of this like female thing. It was just real emotional. And, you know, we just felt certain things. And so I don't want to do that. You know, I'm, I'm a guy. But when you read about what David did, I mean, he was a warrior in his teens. He was killing lions right? And then he was killing bears. He killed Goliath. I mean, most teens his age would have a poster of Britney Spears on their wall. David had, come on, a lion's head. Come on, somebody. He had a bear on his wall. I mean, he was a warrior. But this is what's interesting about David. I think he's a little bipolar. That's the only way I could describe it. Because he's over here killing a lion, right? He's like, cat, and he's like, I will build mine. And he's killing it on you. Because he was a worshiper too. That's what he was. So he's over there. He's fighting Goliath. Like, chopping off his head, right? He chops off Goliath's head. He shows everybody that day how to get ahead. Come on, somebody. That, that joke's dumb. But if you give more in the offering, you'll get better jokes. But he's cutting off, you know, Goliath's head. And then he's like, I love you, Lord. And he's getting his heart. So he's a warrior. He's a worshiper. He's a psalmist. Like he's writing stuff. He's a writer, right? And then he becomes king. God anoints him king. And he's also now a businessman. He's a career man. 
And so now he's coming towards the end of his life and he's sitting in this beautiful palace and he looks outside and then you know what he sees? He sees this tent and he looks at this tent and he sees that the Ark of the Covenant is there. Now what the Ark of the Covenant represents is it represents, how many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? And that was cool when they opened that thing up, right? That's, it's, it's kind of like that. that. It represented the presence of God, where the presence of God was, right? And so he's looking out there and he says, look, this isn't right. I'm sitting in my beautiful home and the presence of God is out in a tent. And so this is what he says. He says, you know what? Here's my desire. We need to build God a house. We need to build God a temple. And here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you four blessings that come from building. And we're going to look at this in David's life, and you're going to see it. And if you'll latch on to this, my church family, it will be life-changing. But here's the first blessing I want you to understand, is that we can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Never, ever, ever can you give God something and you get the same thing back. You will never do it. God will always give you more then you give him. God is not a taker. Listen, listen, God is a giver, right? Check this out. God gave you his son for your sin. God gave you forgiveness for your failures. God gave you and he gives us beauty for what? Our ashes. For our weakness, what does he give us? Grace, right? For sickness, what does he give us? Healing. You know, a little boy comes to Jesus and gives him five loaves and two fishes because there's 5,000 people there. But with men and children, they believe about 15,000 people are there. And um, he puts it in Jesus' hands. Does that boy get his lunch back? No. You know what the boy gets? He gets a ringside seat to see a miracle. Jesus multiplies the five loaves and the two fishes, feeds everybody. One translation says, till they're all full. They kept eating and eating. So that thing kept multiplying and multiplying until they're they're full of hunger. Their, Their hunger was full. And then the Bible says it was 12 baskets left over. And this is what I think is funny because this is like us. We love our lunch. and We're like, oh, we're looking at my lunch. It's five loaves and two fishes. You know what? That boy put that lunch in Jesus's hand. And you know what he got in return? He got 12 baskets full. My church family, you can never outgive God. Never, never outgive God. The word tells us that we should bring our tithes and our offerings to the church. And what do you, does God say? Okay, bring your tithes and offerings to the church. And you know what? I'm going to give you 10% back. No, he, you know what he says? He says, when you bring your tithes and your offerings to the church, the heavens are open and they will pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. And the only problem you're going to have is to see who you can be giving to. And you're going to be such a blessing because you can never outgive God. Luke 6.38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Angie said it. Didn't she do a good job today? Didn't she do a good job? Angie did. And a welcome. Yeah. We're raising up leaders. And uh, and so I, I think it's good. You know, she, she's, she's great. She's anointed by God. But she said it today. God loves a cheerful giver. And so he says, listen, I love a cheerful giver. That really describes the attitude of giving. Why? Because God didn't tell the world, okay, and she said the scripture, I so love the world, got to get my son. Jesus, where are you at, Jesus? You're going to the world. I mean, I mean, the world, we, we love the world, don't we, Jesus? That wasn't his attitude. It says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? 
And he loves that, that attitude of generosity. And so when you give, right, whether you give your time, your talent, your treasure, he loves that. I'm going to tell you why. Because you are taking on the very attribute of God when you give. And I don't think it's just an attitude when he says, when he says, I love a cheerful giver. Watch this. I think he loves a cheerful giver because he knows when you give, that means he gets to give. When you give, then he's got to top you because you can never outgive God. And so we don't understand this a lot of times, but when we give, it sets God in motion. So he's always watching what we give. My son's doing a little devotional out of his little devotional Bible. And he was talking about, we asked him what he read. And he said, I read the, the, read the widow's mite. And the widow's mite, she only had one thing and she gave it. But here's what I love about it is that God saw it. And he saw that she gave everything. And can you imagine what kind of thing that God will invest back? Because you can never give out, give God. He is so faithful, right? So I want you to understand what God's saying to David, because David has this desire. I want to build God a house. And God comes back and says, oh, hold on, David. You're going to build me a house? No, 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 no. You can't outgive me. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house, David. So watch this. Here's the second blessing in building. Whenever we build God's house, God will build our house. God will build our house. See, David recognized that God had been extremely gracious to him. And I want to just tell you, generosity always flows from a grateful heart. It always flows. Today when we gave, you're giving because you're grateful. You know that, you know what? Hey, I woke up today. I'm alive. How I many of you know that's a good thing, right? I, I got up today, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. I was able to put on my clothes, take a shower, come to church and worship. Come on, somebody. There are people that are in the hospital today that cannot do what you did today. And so David knew that God was the one that promoted him. God was the one that elevated him from, I mean, from this unnoticed shepherd boy to the position of king. And can I just encourage you? Because when God chooses to elevate you, nobody can stop it. You know, David's own brothers couldn't stop his promotion and his elevation. Couldn't. Because God sees, God saw David's heart for the sheep. This is what I think is funny is that David's, he's killing lions to protect sheep that weren't even his. They were his father's sheep. But that was the kind of, of, of heart that he had. He had such a heart, not only for his father, but his heavenly father. A heart that, you know, the Bible says that God, that David was a man after God's own heart. But listen, God loved and took notice of David's desire to build God a house. And my church family, can I just tell you, a heart for God always translates into a heart for his house. Can I hear a good amen today? Now, let's take, let's take a moment, right? Obviously, obviously, right? Does God reside inside of a building? Does God reside, right, inside of a facility? No, he doesn't, right? Can the magnitude of God be housed in the Performing Arts Center of Vista Marriott High School? Can the magnitude and the power of God, can it? No, right? It can't. Right. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 66, one says this, the heaven, God says, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So God is so powerful that he can put his foot on the earth. So can he be housed? No. But listen, I want you to hear this. But it's interesting what he tells us. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he says, look, 
And I think it's a beautiful picture. He says, I want to reside as the magnitude of who I am. God, I want to reside in you. And so Paul says, don't you know, remember that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So even though God is in the heavens, he gives us this picture that he likes to reside on his people. Anybody grateful that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us? I mean, I, I just love that. And it's, it's an incredible picture, but the Holy Spirit resides and likes to reside in us. So when we talk about God's house, right? It's like Paul said, right? Honor your own body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We honor the gathering place that we come. Remember, we talked about the church. Remember, Jesus is building the church. What is the church? The church is not a facility. The church is a people. It means called out ones. How many of you God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? How many of you God has called you, right? That's the the church. We're a people. So wherever we go, the church goes. But the Bible says that the church is supposed to assemble together, that we're supposed to gather together. So the place that we gather together is where his presence is at. So we have, and we honor, that's why when you drive by a church or you see a church, we call it the house of God. Now we know we're the house of God, but there is a level of respect that we understand that that place, when we come together, God is there. Just like when we come together today, right in here, this is the house of God. Can I hear a good amen today? Are you following along? And so David is making this comparison. He says, look, right now God's living in a box. He's living in the Ark of the Covenant in a tent, right? It's like, man, this is not right. We have our beautiful houses and God's living in the trailer back here that we just unloaded. And he says, I want to build God a house today. Now, I want to tell you something. I am pro house of God. I understand we are the church. I understand we don't need a building. I get it. But you know what? We do need a place to gather, right? Because I hear both sides, well, we don't need a building. You know, God can move anywhere. Yes, but God told us to gather and he told us to come together and we're supposed to honor that as his house. Now watch this. David in first Chronicles 22 verse five, when he even talked about the temple that he wanted to build, I love his heart because David says, look, The temple of God should be made and it should have great magnificence. Great magnificence. He says, you know, when it comes to God's house, man, there should be fame and splendor around it. And he's talking about, this is his heart for God. This is why he's he's called a man after God's own heart because he's thinking about God's house. He says actually this, the house of God should have so much fame and splendor that the nation should be in awe and say, wow, wow. And I'm gonna tell you something, Passion Life Church. It bothers me. When I hear people talk about the house of God, when I hear people talk about, you know, well, this church, they shouldn't be spending this much on blah, 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 blah. You know, why do you have to have this for the kids? Why do you got it? Because you know what? If you read what David said about the house of God, he actually said that people should be talking about the house of God, that when they walk in the house of God, they go, wow, this is only something that God can do. Come on, somebody. I heard somebody say, because see, we came from a large church that the first building that they built was $22 million. It sat 3,600 seats, right? And so it's a, it's a large church. They have probably 20,000 people that come, right? And so the bashing and the bashing that I, I would read in comments and why are we spending millions of dollars to have a church? Listen, I just want you to hear this. Why are we doing that? Why, why aren't we building a, a homeless shelter? And I thought to myself, you need to read the Bible, Because number one, I like homeless shelters. But can I just tell you this? 
A homeless shelter is good, but that's not the first priority. Listen, the first priority is there has to be in-reach before there's outreach. We have to be able to gather. And when we come together as the church, sure, we can build stuff. But first, what we need to do is we need to be a, a build a house. And you know what I love about where we came from? It's right off the freeway. So every time you drive by, you see the house of God. Can I hear a good amen? And so David has it in his heart. And he says, I want to build you a house. And he has this desire. And you know what? Here's what God says. No, 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 Dave. Listen, David, I'm going to build you a house. Because you cannot outgive me. You cannot outgive me. And so my church family, here's the reality. And me and my wife have given ourselves to this truth that if we will build God's house, he will build our house. And I'm not just talking about, listen, brick and mortar. I'm talking about household, that he will build our household. I want God on the construction site of my family. You know why? The Bible says that unless God builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. That word vain in the Greek means this, to do a lot of work, have a lot of energy, and guess what? Everything can still crumble because it wasn't built to last. It wasn't built to last. So here's what God is saying. He told David, if you commit and this desire, and God's like, that wasn't even my desire. You, that came from you, David, because you loved me so much. He says that if you will commit to building my house, here's what I will do. I'm going to build your house. This is what Jesus was saying. This is what God was saying. David, if you take, now that you're, you're making a commitment to take care of my business, I'm going to take care of your business. I'm going to take care of your business. That's Matthew chapter six, verse 33. It says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So what we do is we don't have the right priorities because we go after all these things. Now I want you to notice something. God never said all these things are wrong. He just said, I don't want you to pursue them first. He says, I want you to pursue me. And he's like, I want to be the one that adds to your life. I don't want you to labor in vain. I don't want you to be going, like Paul said, in shadow boxing and spending all this energy and never hitting the mark. He says, but here's here's simple decision. Pursue me first, and guess what? I know what you need. I will add all of these things unto you. Can I hear a good amen? Now, I want to tell you something. Some people think that building God's kingdom and building God's house is only for pastors. My church family, David was not a pastor. He was a king. He was a businessman. He was a career man. Nathan kind of stood in that office of more of a prophet, the pastor. David had a pastoral heart, but at this point he was the king. But you know what I love is like, is that God is still looking for modern day kings that will say, you know what? God has blessed me so much. Now I want to invest and build God's house. He's still looking for the, he's still looking for those people. Now, let me just say this. When I talk about building, when we talk about building God's house, God building your house, I'm not just talking about brick and mortar. Although God has no shortage of houses. Now listen to me. For some of you that are not in a house that you own, I believe it's God's will that you own your own home. Now listen. I want you to hear me. We've lived this principle in our life. When my wife and I moved here, Marietta's now nine years ago, we lived in El Paso, Texas. 
and we got married, and we were so excited. We just bought our first home. It was amazing. We had no idea that we would only live there a year before God would call us to the Gold Coast, the best coast. Come on, somebody. He would call us out of Egypt into the promised land. Come on, somebody. California. But still a Pittsburgh Steelers man. Anyway. <laughs> so we were in our house for a year. We felt like it was time to move. We got blessed by our pastor to start Passion Life Church from the very just plant it from the ground up. And we knew that this was a blessing. This house was a blessing from God. But what are we going to do? Like, we, we loved it. We felt like, man, this is, oh, man, we're so excited about our home. But here's what we knew about God, is that his, he has no shortage of homes. And so we put our house on the market, and we moved to Marietta nine years ago. And we didn't go from a house to a house. We went from a house to an apartment. And so we lived in an apartment for almost seven years, 1,300 square foot. We were grateful, but we always knew, man, we wanted to own a little bit of California. Come on, somebody. We wanted our own home. I mean, there was times in our apartment that the guys underneath us, I think they were college students, man, they were getting stoned and not like Bible stone. Like, you know, when, when you throw the Bible, like, you know, like they did with the woman with the cotton adultery. And it was coming up through our vents. I think there were some Sundays I was literally high. Like, they were like people were like, man, this message was so good. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoned. I'm, I'm out of it. My son was coughing, and, and so it was just crazy. And then the people next door to us moved in. They were a couple guys, and I don't know what it is about people smoking marijuana, but you could drive up to our apartment, put down the window, and it just, I mean, you could get high just like that. I mean, that's that's where... And it was right here, right here in Wildemar. I call it Wild Omar. But anyway, Wild, Wildemar. And we were just praying every day, God, we, we need a house. Like, and then the guys underneath us, I guess they were a rock band too. So they were like 3 o'clock in the morning. here, the boom, 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 boom. So me and my wife were like this, you know, like, high. And so, but we knew. And honestly, there was a concern. I would be honest with you how are we going to ever buy a house? Because we're planning a church. My wife's a physical therapist, so we were living off her income. But here, listen, my church family, we knew this one principle. If we will build God's house, God will build our house. God will build not only our household, but he knew that we had a house. Now, listen, God did a miracle for our lives. We've been in our house about two years and, uh, and listen, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag. This is not even a humble brag. This is a straight out testimony. But I was on the phone about two weeks ago with our brokerage mortgage, our, our mortgage broker. And he said, he said, I'm looking at your portfolio. And he says, you know, you guys got such a great deal in our house on the house that we have now. He says, it looks like just with in a couple years, it looks like your guys going to be able to purchase another home to be able to rent out. And I'm just sitting there at my jaw dropped because I never, that's not what we were about. That's, we never got into anything like that. He says, and I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And I'm thinking, can I tell you what the secret sauce is? The secret sauce is you just keep building God's house and he'll build your house. You keep giving, you keep serving. And guess what? God will take care of your home. He'll take care of your household. So it is about your home. And listen, my church family, some of you here are serving. Some of you here are giving. Latch on to this promise that God is going to build your house. Can I hear a good amen? Because you can't get out, give God. You can't out, give God. 
And so here's number three, as we talk about the blessing of building, it's not just about your destiny. It's about your legacy. Second Samuel seven twelve, we read, God says to David, I will raise up your descendants. That's your children. I will raise up your descendants, your offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Now, like any parent, we're concerned about our kids. How many of you think about your kids a lot? Think about your kids. Okay. How many of you don't think about your kids at all? Okay. Okay. I'm going to call CPS. All right. So that's, that's not a, how, how many of you think about your kids a lot? Come on. We, we, we think we, we're concerned. Like I, my wife and I are already praying for my husband. My, <laughs> I can't even say I'm high this morning because that's just pure coffee. We're already praying for my son's wife that one day that God will bring them together. He's 11, right? We're thinking about our legacy, our, our, our destiny, his life. We're concerned about what are we going to do when he gets on the road? Like, I'm probably going to wear a helmet. You know what I mean? Like, I, this is, I, I, when you buy that car for them and you have to release them into the world. And I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's real life, right? Is he going to know how to like feed himself? Is he can't just eat ramen noodles, you know, his whole life? Come on, come on somebody, right? And, and lucky charms. And so we're concerned about our kids. We, we think about our kids. And this is what God was telling David. He says, I'm going to take care of your descendants. Because when you build my house, I'm going to build your house. And I, this includes your kids. I'm going to take care of your descendants. Listen, he doesn't just say I'm going to take care of them. He says, I'm going to make them strong. I'm going to make them strong. And he says this to David. Listen, I want you to listen. He says, I'm David, I'm going to make your name great. I looked up that word great in the Hebrew. It means I'm going to distinguish your name. You know how good a good name is and reputation is in society, right? And here's what I love about this. Listen, my church family, we're going to get into the Christmas season and we're going to hear a lot about the house of David. You know, I was thinking about in Matthew chapter one, verse one, it says this, it talks about David in the New Testament. It says this, Matthew chapter one, verse one, it says the genealogy of Jesus, Jesus, the son of David. Wow. And then when the angel appears to Joseph, the angel uh, says this. He says, Joseph, son of David. Jesus would come through the lineage of David. And David had a desire to build God's house. And I don't know if David knew, but through his lineage, Jesus would come through the earth. My church family, you say, how does that apply to me? It does. Because when you build God's house, God's going to build your house. And listen, God is still looking for people to build his house. And he's still looking for people to show Jesus to this world. And so through our lineage, through our destiny, it's not just about Phil's destiny. It's about the legacy of our house, the legacy of our family, that people would see Jesus through that, that it wouldn't be about the name Valdez or Phil or Gavin or Valerie, but it would be about the name above every name that Jesus Christ, that he would be magnified and glorified through our lives. So Jesus and God doesn't just look to you. He looks through you. 
Because he, we have to understand this, my church family. And I want you to understand, this is why we do series, because I, I know where we're going three or four weeks down the line. We've talked about God, you are God's building, and God's building the church, and you're here with purpose and potential. But I got to tell you, we had to come to this today because some of us are just thinking about today. You're just thinking about your destiny. You're not thinking about your legacy. And in everything that's happening today, if we're not thinking about future, if we're not thinking about our descendants, we can just get stuck into our problems and the things that are happening today. But God wants us to have a bigger picture about your legacy. Because here's here it is. Listen, everybody look at me. You're leaving a legacy whether you like it or not. I've been to a ton of funerals as a pastor. And I always hear about legacy when people get up and start to talk about that. And I think about that. What are they going to say when you die? How many people are going to be in the room that you and your life touched? How many people are going to be talking about Jesus because they knew you? How many people, when you get to heaven, are going to walk up to you and say, thank you for sharing the gospel? To sharing the gospel? I didn't even really say anything. You didn't have to. I saw it on your life. And I'm here in heaven because of you, because of your testimony, that you and I, my church family, we think generationally. That's the God that we serve. He said many times, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what he said. And my church family, I want my son, I want my son to go further than I've ever gone. I want him to be blessed beyond measure, Listen, can I be honest with you? And I think some of you would say amen with this. I don't want him to have the same struggles that I had. God thinks generationally. God says, Phil, I'm not just saying for you to be blessed. Listen, I want a blessing for your children's children. Whew. An inheritance. See, I'm on this, like, I'm still working it out, right? And we're going to talk about this next week as we talk about building a godly family and building a godly marriage, and then Rex will be, all that stuff, it's going to be good. But there's this rule of thought that I'm I'm thinking of. Because some parents are like, you got to struggle like I (laughs) struggle. It just sounds, you got to struggle like I struggle. You know, I I worked my tail off, blah, 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 blah. Right? And listen, there's a part of me that my son has to understand work ethic, Right? Blessing doesn't mean that you don't go to work, right? It just means when you work, God's favor is on you, and right, everything that you do prospers, right? If we don't work, we don't eat, so there's that side of it. But then there's another side of the, yeah, you got to struggle like I, to, there's going to be a part of his life that he will never experience what I experience because of the favor of God and the blessing of God that is on our house. He won't have to experience it. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? So what you do, all right, you ready? Here we go. What you do in your house affects God's house. And what happens in God's house affects your house. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? So David is telling us that, and this is what we built our life on. We're going to build, I don't know all the ins and outs of everything, but I know one thing. If I build God's house, he's going to take care of my family. He's going to take care of my business. He's going to take care of our lives, right? It's simple. It's not that hard. That if we build his house, he will build my house. Because I think about, is my son going to have money? What is his life going to be? 
You know, Psalms 37, 25 says this. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed beg for bread. And God says, if you honor me, listen, your children will be blessed. Everybody look at me, please. What you do right now matters, not just for you and your destiny, but for your legacy. I love, are you glad you came to church today? Listen, Psalms 112.1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man or woman who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Watch, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Man, that's good. Watch this. Number three, wealth, verse three, and riches will be in his house and his righteousness will endure forever. My church family, God is going to bless your children. Can I hear a good amen? There's going to be favor on your kids. Come on, somebody. They're going to be strong. They're not going to be weak. No, they're going to be strong. Come on. They're going to be mighty on the earth. Can I hear a better amen than that? I know they're acting like little devils now, but listen, God's going to bless them. on, somebody. God's going to bless them. But we cannot pretend that what we do now does not affect them. And there is this ideology and this thought about church that we just come and we sit, we attend. Church is never supposed to be that. Church is not a place where you just attend church is not a place where you just spectate. It's supposed to be a place where we participate and we come together to the house of God. Listen, and we build his house. And that's what we're about here at Passion Life Church. We are unapologetically, we are going to build God's house. We want to build a house, a permanent location too, for Passion Life Church, a house that we can have, come on, men's meetings and women's meetings, and we can have youth, right? And we can have mom's clubs, right? And bingo for all the, whoever plays bingo, I don't know. I'm kidding. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Out of the mouth of babes, thank you. You're going to be mighty on this earth. Keep doing what you're doing. That we build God's house. And my church family, you are a builder. It matters whether you come to God's house or not. Not only matters to you, listen, it matters for your generations because generations, we're supposed to be getting stronger. Every generation is supposed to be getting stronger. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? I want my son to stand on my shoulders and give him and be more blessed than I ever have been. And here's the last one for today. Talking about the blessing of building. When you build God's house, God will battle your enemies. Battle your enemies. Second Samuel 11. Starting from this time, I appointed judges to rule my people, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Listen, how did this promise come to pass? David had a desire to build God's house. And he says this, you build my house, I'm going to take care of all the people that don't like you. You know, I was praying this week, and I don't know for who this is, and you don't have to tell me. I don't need to hear back. Maybe you're watching online. But there's somebody listening to the sound of my voice. You're in a court case right now. The Holy Spirit, just this week as I was, I was praying, and the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, God's going to take care of your enemies. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. 
because your heart is for his house. See, when we understand this, watch this, our priorities begin to shift. I don't have to take care. I don't have to worry about all the people that don't like me, all these things that are coming against me. All I have to do is prioritize building God's house. He'll take care of those things. I need, Phil, I need this. I need all of these things. I need God to supply my needs. That's right. He says, just put me first. And you don't even have to worry about all that. I will take care of that for you. I will supply. I will supply jobs that you didn't even think that you could step into. God can do it if you'll build his house, if you'll put him first. Come on, somebody. And I love that he says, and he uses this word rest as we close today. Resting isn't mean, it's not a passive thing. Resting just means I'm trusting that God is going to fulfill his word. Resting is trusting. Trusting is resting. And you know, there's been a time just learning this. And Larry, if you'll come. Learning this, a lot of times I don't even respond anymore to things. Because I just like, God, you got this. I'm not going to waste my time over there. You know what I'm going to do with my time? I'm going to invest my time instead of waste my time. I'm going to invest my time in the kingdom of God. And listen, if you mess with me, just be careful because when God is for me, nobody can be against me. And that's the same God that's on your side. Come on. The God of angel armies is on your side today. Come on. Can you stand up and give him a good praise? Come on. Give him a good praise. Would you? So here's the choice we got. Are you ready? Here's the choice I had. Am I going to build my house by myself? Or am I going to allow God to build my house? And here's what he says. If you will build my house, if you will prioritize my house, I will take care of your home. I will take care of Come on, I just feel like some of you need to close your eyes. You just need to lift your hands for a moment. Just receive this over your life. Some of you have thought that God's house isn't important. Maybe you just never heard this revelation. I I didn't either. But I'm thankful that I went to a great church. When my pastor started preaching this, I said, this is something we've been doing. This is why I've been so favored. Because, you know, I've just been blessing God's house and building God's house. And he's been taking care of me. Because you can never outgive God. Would you close your eyes and just lift your hands for just a moment? Lord, I thank you right now for your people. For those watching online, we can never outgive you, God. Never. Never. It's impossible. And Lord, as we invest and build your house, we rely on this promise today that you're going to build our house. Lord, right now, our kids, we place them in your hands. All of them, those that are in our house, but those that are still in our household that have gone on, Lord, that you're going to make them strong. That they won't be, it won't just be my God, but it'll be their God as well. We thank you. Thank you, Father. You care about our kids. You care about our legacy. We're building the legacy. We want people to see you in our household, God. And Father, right now, we just surrender all of our enemies to you. Father, these people that are in this court case right now, I don't know who they are, but you know, and you would stop a service to tell them that you're fighting for them. And we thank you. And so right now, Lord, we just release. Come on, just release the care. 
of your kids on God. Release the care. Come on, release the worry, the concern about the enemies and the people that aren't for you. Just release that to the Lord. Let him deal with them. Let him. He's fighting for you. That was the message last week. Pastor Tracy talked about God fight. There's something about that in our church. God is, you need to know that. And you need to just get into and grab hold of that promise today that God is fighting for you. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as your children build your house, Lord, I pray that heaven would release homes into their life. Homes, Lord, that maybe they can't even afford, Lord, that you would just give them favor, miracle homes, Lord, for people's lives today. And Lord, may it be a testimony of your miraculous power that people, when we talk about it, they would see you, God. We thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you can place your hands down for just a moment. We never like to close out a service at Passion Life Church without giving you the great opportunity to know this amazing God who is a builder. He wants to come alongside you and build your life. Maybe you've never asked him to come inside your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And all we have to do is ask in faith. And today I want to say a prayer. If you're watching online and you don't know if you took your last breath today, if you, where you would spend eternity, if you would spend it in heaven, well, today you can by putting play, faith in the sacrifice that Jesus did. He died for our sins. And if that's you and you're ready to receive Jesus to come inside your heart, if you're ready for Jesus to come and be on the construction side of your life today, Let's say this prayer. Would you repeat after me? Passion Life Church, whether you've prayed this prayer or not before, would you just say it so those that are praying it for the first time won't feel like they're alone? Come on, say this. Repeat this after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I confess you, Lord. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live for you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a good round of applause. If you prayed that prayer, put it in the chat for me. Come on, just say, I prayed. Come on, put some hand emojis there that you prayed that prayer. Now, listen, we're going to be talking about building a godly marriage, and we're going to be talking about building a godly family. But the first thing I had to do today is we had to talk about building God's house. Because if you don't commit to building God's house, I'm just telling you, your marriage and your family will never be what it could be. Can I hear a good amen today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.